Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. To the Lark cast. Mary Chrysler. Russ. Mary Crema. Mary Crema. Mary Krampus. <laughs> I'll never forget that girl. That was so fun. I don't know why, why that was so funny, but it was. So good. So good. All right, here's a question for you. What is your go-to drink around Christmas time? Go-to cocktail, go-to drink of any kind. Around Christmas? Mm-hmm. Is the one that you do like every year? You gotta, you gotta have it. Uh, yeah, it's not a cocktail. Well, what is it? Eggnog. Mm. I'm a sucker for eggnog, bro. Have you done like, bur- bourbon eggnog? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, okay, but you know me. If it comes to a cocktail, I mean, I must. I mean, I, I love, I love bourbon. I love tequila. I love scotch. But I drink it neat. Um. Only two mixed drinks I really ever do. I've, I've tried different ones, but the only mm-hmm. ones that are like a norm for me in any way, which even in that are rare. If it's hot outside, I do like a margarita. I mean, what? who, who from Florida doesn't? Um, and then naturally. If you don't like that, margaritas, I'm sorry, like a legit margarita. You're just a miserable person. I mean, yeah, like even the coolest of the cool and the hipster of the hipster and the purest of the purest, like. A good margarita, man. It's hard to beat, man. And especially if you make a a glass that's really the size of a serving bowl, and then you dump like a gallon of margarita in it with like three or four straws, then that's even better. Yep. Yep. We get down to the end of it, and you got friends who are like licking on the side of the glass. (laughs) Back up. After we just drank all each other's backwash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like a margarita, and I like an old-fashioned. Um, so if I'm going to do a cocktail at Christmas time, it's chilly outside. So I'm going with the old fashioned, but my favorite drink Christmas time, bro, is I'm just, I can't help it, man. Eggnog. You bring any eggnog near me. It's gone. I'm the same way. And I love, I love the bourbon eggnog and I'll sprinkle just a little bit of cinnamon on there. Hmm. And that's, it's the way to go. Like, you know, like I'm chilling hard like hard if i start to yeah. break out the bourbon eggnog and they're starting to make it mixed now yeah starting to make it like pre-mixed yeah you can buy it i've had some of it it's not too bad man you just got to be careful around it because you know the sweetness and the, you know the good taste of an eggnog that bourbon man it'll it'll catch up to you you just start well, acting that- like cousin eddie let's go find your sister <laughs> Yeah, the only downside really is just the rank farts, honestly. That's probably the only downside of drinking a lot of eggnog. Yeah, yeah. That, because that can, I've, um, I've traveled that, with you enough to know, like, some room clearing. Just, like, there should be some sort of a law or, like, some punishment, like, legal, cultural, societal punishment mm-hmm. for the kind of farts um that yeah. you will let off sometimes oh 
yeah, I was following you that whole time. I thought you were talking about you. I, I didn't know you were going to switch it to me at the end. But, you know, if it makes you, know, you feel better, dude, that's, that's fine. I'll, you know what? I'll, we, I'll take that. We, we, haven't, um, we haven't been in, like, the same room in a really long time. And I'm actually sitting here listening, listening to us talk about each other's farts is kind of making me miss you a little bit. And, yeah. um, but I'm, we're getting together in February though, for oh, the fall, fallen and free. You should let everybody know, share, share about fallen and free. Yeah. I think I might've mentioned it on here. If I haven't, uh, friend, Tolian, uh, Chavijan, pastor, author, one way love, great book, man. Used to have the Liberate Conference, which was a pretty great just resource and, you know, gathering, man. It was pretty helpful to us. I don't know. What was that? Close to 10 years ago now, man. Long story short, Tullian has started a new conference. First one will be this February, Jupiter, Florida. Check it out if you'd like. It's uh, Fallen and Free. I believe it's the, I think it's just fallenandfree.com might be the the domain there. But um, yeah, man, it's going to be a good little few days shindig of hanging out. And lots of good news and conversations, man, different people from around the country coming in. So if you're somebody who would like to come and hang out with Tony and I, the Fallen and Free Conference, I'd jump on and grab your tickets ASAP. Uh, we'd love to we'd love to see you there. Yes, I just speaking of just some quick fallenandfree.com. I am That's planning it. on, I'm planning on planning on being there, man. And I'm gonna reach out to a few. A few of the Lark faithful who I know have hopped on planes to come out to uh, various things. I think that's going to be that's going to be a good one. Yeah, man, we should do this. I mean, I'm not a huge like conference dude, but like, no, nope, either you're you're speaking. You know, I've only interacted with Tullian through text and you know um, video and stuff. So looking forward to meeting him in person, and then um, Lynch from Trueface. And uh, Zal, like, yeah. love those dudes. I've learned from all of them. It should be a good, it should be a blast. Yeah, man, I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, conferences definitely can be a drag, but if they're done right, they can also be a blast. Yes. And as you know, and I know, um, like the the core of most of any of these, <laughs> any of these gatherings is going to be what's actually being said. Right? Yes. Like, that's that's the downer, man, for a conference is you go and you just get shit on. Yes. You know, one speaker after another. And it's like, yeah, bro, yeah. Um, that's not what he said. <laughs> Love getting or, shit on. Yeah. So the the good news for this this gathering of the tribe, man, is it'll it'll definitely be centered on life and the good news. So I heard a popular uh author uh dude hop on Instagram someone sent it to me in my DM and uh, he was, he somehow turned it is finished from Jesus into finish your work. So what is the work you have and you need to finish it? And yeah. I was like, I literally was like, well, well what? Yeah. I, was like, I was like, how, how did we get to get to work and finish your work from Jesus saying it is finished? And let's just go ahead and say, you know, needless to say, you're probably not going to get that application point at the, uh, at the fall and a free conference, which is why I'm, I'm signing up and going. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that myself, uh, a very popular author, very popular that, that many people go to for inspiration of the scriptures 
turned Jesus saying, I have done the work that you gave me and declaring it is finished on the cross into us going and doing work and finishing it. I'm like, dude, you just completely annulled the gospel I'm like, of all of its meaning. Yes. We're not going to say one statement. We're not going to say the person's name, but his initials are Bob Goff, and we're in John <laughs> chapter 12. We're moving on in the conversation today, and yeah. um, Russ, where are we headed today? Well, man, we're uh, we're getting into some nitty-gritty here. Uh, there's a lot that you could naturally unpack in John chapter 12, but we're just going to take a few key points here and really you know, press in on those. If you've been following along with us, you know that in our last episode, we were able to really hit on a moment, um, a pretty beautiful moment of, of normalcy mixed with an extravagant display of worship, right? Amongst a, a very ragtag group that are following along with Jesus and just yeah. so much to see and learn in that episode. I will say that I know we spent a good amount of time bantering at the beginning, man, but that latter 20 plus minutes of content was was some of my favorite and that we've ever been able to get into on the It was the good. It was fun. Yeah. In this, in this setting, we're now moving into, okay, uh, Jesus is heading, you know, into town, right? He's, he's heading to Jerusalem. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> you've got what's called like the triumphal entry, something that you hear talked about a lot, you know, around the Easter, right? Holiday. Um, the Messiah who's been telling everyone that my mission was to come and die. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, reform is not an option. You've heard us say this a lot of times, but reform is not an option when resurrection is your need. Mm. And that's what Jesus has been making known to humanity. And he's now heading to deliver on his promise. And that is to give his life as a ransom, right? Mm. For the world to set the captives free. And th these are his words, not ours. And, but going into this, you have this little plot where they're now saying, you know, it's not just Jesus that needs to die. Um, this Lazarus dude. Yeah. We're going to have to get rid of him too. He's got to go to. Yep. So if you back up a little to the end of chapter 11, you'll see where the Pharisees are, you know, especially the head dude is like, that's it. The chief priest, right? He's like enough. We've been trying to play the game. We've been trying to expose, you know, what it is that we think is wrong here. We've been cornering him. There's been some moments where we've even picked up rocks and tried to stone him, and yet somehow he disappears into the crowd. Um, but no more, right? Yeah. Gloves are coming off. We're going to pull about everything that's within our system of law, okay, for the Jewish people to put him on trial and put him to death. And we're even going to find a way to bring Rome into the mix because not only is he saying that he's God, he's the Messiah, okay? Um. We can use this as even him saying, well, then he's apparently also saying that Caesar isn't Lord. So, you know, they're, they're, they're making their plan. I'm yes. feeling bad for Lazarus. So, I mean, the guy's been through a lot. <laughs> and, Poor dude, and now, man. now he's got like the whole head of the, just the religious <laughs> entourage, man, is now, you know, put a warrant out, man, for his arrest. Like, and in their words, if you look in the beginning of chapter 12, it says many people, many of the Jews were believing those numbers were growing because yeah. of what Jesus has been doing, mm -hmm. but now also because of Lazarus. Mm -hmm. So he's gaining fame. 
Yes. Well, you kick your ministry off. Yeah. You kick your ministry off with, you know, turning water into wine and you can only kind of hear about that, you know, through the no pun intended, but the grapevine. Um, And, (laughs) you know, the wine gets drunk and it's, you know, it's, it's gone. Right. But dude, you raise a dude from the dead who's dead four days and he's walking around like showing up at the grocery store and the hardware store like saying hey to Jim and Bob and Susie and all that and sharing his story and people are coming up to him and you know hey man did this for real happen like yes this for real happened like that dude's got to go because that is um, definitely going to be something that's pointing to the wonder and the power um, and the mystery of of Jesus so this is like cartel like no witnesses no evidence like wrap it up in cellophane and duct tape and like just dispose of this thing because this is not helping us at all. Yeah. They're hoping to find a local Shea stadium and go a little Jimmy Hoffa on this deal. (laughs) They got, they brought Pesci in and you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's going down, dude. This is cornfield. Your holes already dug. Yep. Baseball bats are coming out and the casino. Oh, rough episode, dude. Or rough scene. I should say, Oh man. Yeah, I remember the first time that that came out. I I actually had to turn away. I couldn't watch it. Oh, it's so hard. Yep, I was like, "Whoa, okay, can't." Uh, uh-uh. yeah. Um, speaking so, yeah, of gratuitous, go down. yeah, exactly. <laughs> verse verse nineteen. You know, th- these are it says right here, man. So the Pharisees said to one another, "All right, so they're talking to each other. You see that you are gaining nothing. Period." Look, the world has gone after him. AKA, our plan is not working. Mm. We got to up the game here. And so they're going after Jesus and they're going after even Lazarus. But this is where it starts to get, I feel like, like pretty cool here. Let's check this out. Verse 20. It says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast, okay, were some Greeks. So it says that these came to Philip. Right, who was from the in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. And so you find this like little chain, you know what I'm saying, of events where Philip goes, you know what I mean? I think it was, uh, you know, to Andrew and Andrew and Philip, and they told Jesus, and they're trying to, you know what I mean? You now have Greeks that are showing up, all right? So you've got Jews that are coming to believe because of sign and wonders, but you have Greeks who are now showing up who would be a little bit more, not so much on the mystery of that as much so on the words, right? On wisdom, thought, philosophy, right? This is more of their training. They're mm-hmm. showing up and going, man, something, something's going on with this guy, Jesus. Yeah. And so you see this little point here, which I feel like is a, just a really valid thing to look at. Jesus answers them. Okay, not with this straight, clear talk explanation of who he is and what it is, you know, to get into some sort of like philosophical debate with them or even a dialogue, okay, around their interest. Instead, it says, Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life and loses it, Okay, whoever, I'm sorry, whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If Mm -hmm. anyone serves me, 
he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So it's just like, boom. You know what I mean? You've got the Jewish people who are coming around. You've got Greeks that are showing up, want to talk. And Jesus just comes out with a very clear understanding. I'm going to die. The hour has come for my Father to glorify me and I to glorify my Father. If you want to follow me, if that's what you're here for, know this. Hmm. And dude, to me, that's such a, it's so important to see what he's actually saying there versus what we're prepared to hear. Hmm. Because if you miss it, this is one of those additional shoulds that we add to the list and put on people in the name of following and how well are you following are you a faithful follower? Well, explain to me what that means and what that looks like. I don't know. You know, so-and-so says they're a faithful follower, but I heard that last week they got cut off in traffic. And you know, I'm saying like, all of a sudden you take what Jesus is saying and you don't really let it be what it is. When he looks to these Greeks who are interested in him, he doesn't say, get it together and make it happen and you can come follow me. He doesn't say level up your game. He doesn't say get it all right and prove that you've got it all right through your actions and then you can follow me. Mm -hmm. He actually comes right out of the gate and declares, admit your death. Yeah, he shares a little parable about death. Yeah, and you can follow me. In other words, he's not saying to them, get it together. He's saying right out of the gate, give up. Mm-hmm. He's not saying level up. He's saying let go. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I can just remember years of being a pastor and not really allowing this to say what it said because I needed it to say something else and using this as another case of like Jesus really just narrowing that door, man, really narrowing that road, dude, to those who were really serious. Yeah. And instead, he's he's embracing them. He's welcoming them. And his only criteria is let go. Man, these guys travel up here for this feast, for this, this Passover. Yeah. Um, Jesus is kind of, you know, he knows. Like, it's it's coming to a head. And John knows, too. And John is about to spend the most concentrated time on a very small, small kind of window of time in his gospel in this kind of like, we're entering into this upper room discourse, you know, mm -hmm. from chapter 13, all the way to the time of his, his passion. It's this really long conversation he's having with the disciples. And so his mind is definitely set on the cross. Jesus knows what's going on. I mean, imagine these dudes, right. All this travel coming up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would think that, you know, a person like this would be so honored, you know, by the intrigue of these Greeks to say like, yes, cool. I'm going to give you some time. He literally doesn't, he doesn't give it to him, but he just gives him a parable about death. Yeah. And you have, you know, scholars that come at this thing from two different angles. You have some who are going, no, no, no. What Jesus is saying to them is that he needs to die. Okay. He needs to die, and in his death, he will true. bear much fruit, right, of the kingdom, right? This kingdom that you guys came seeking, it's far bigger than what you 
could even imagine. Okay, the kingdom is 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 the is the very dwelling of all things in the king that sustains all things. And that king has a name and his name is Jesus and he's standing right in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's in me and I in you. That's how big this thing is. It's global. And it's going to come through my death for your death and my resurrection that will be your resurrection. In me, you'll live and dwell. And so I'm like, amen, fully agree. But then there's also scholars that look at it and say, no, the point that he's making is more so in what you find in the very next verse, which is saying to them, oh, you came to follow me. Okay, cool. Well, listen, guys, just so we're clear, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Which, you know, if you want to just put that into perspective, he's saying to them, unless you die of the myth of independence that you came here with, unless you die of this myth of that there's an independent you that's over here and there's a God that's over there. And what you need to do is figure out how to get certain things right so that you can then live in union with this God. If that's what you're coming to see, we'll just know right out of the gate, you have to die to this. Mm. If you live in that myth, are you ready for this? Then you live alone in your delusion. Mm -hmm. So yep. I, I just feel like, man, that's just such a, a needed point in our, in our modern world, man, is Jesus is saying, unless you die to the myth of independence, you will live alone in your delusion. Okay. Yeah. But then well, just says go, this. Well, but really if it quick, dies, just, go, ahead. go ahead. No, my bad. But, 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 but. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, it remind just to bring you into the mindset, like, you know, in first Corinthians, Paul goes into like Jews seek science um, yes. and Greeks seek wisdom, but the cross is a stumbling block to both of them. Yeah. So both want this ask their idea of the kingdom, their idea of God is very aspirational. It's something right. that they're attaining to, they're working toward. But the mystery of the gospel is the death of one for the world. Right. <laughs> the incarnation of one, right? The death of, of one. And it's a stumbling block. There's no aspiration in it. No. There's no get it together. No. And it's I, I just think that's exactly what he's going Yeah. It, the way you could look at that and what you just said is it's it's incarnational. The kingdom is incarnational versus aspirational. Yes. It's not something we attain. It's someone who comes and lives in us. Okay. Which is why Hebrews talks about the kingdom and says we receive it. Right. Okay. Not, not we ascribe to it, not that we gain it, not that we build it or we develop it or we grow it or all these other phrases that you hear in Christendom about fixing the world by right. planting the kingdom and growing it. It's like, no, 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 no. Or it's the already, kingdom. yes. Yeah. It's already a treasure buried in the field. It's already in the world. Yep. You simply awaken to reality. To it. Yep. So I, I just, on. for Come me, on. verse 24, dude, is like the Let's heart go. of this. Unless you die to the myth of independence, you will live alone. Okay. In your delusion. Hmm. But then Jesus says this, but if this seed dies, it bears much fruit. In other words, but if you die to this myth of independence that you showed up with, and this aspirational kingdom that you're trying to figure out how to get into. He said, then 
then you will experience. You will you will bear, okay? You will walk in the freedom of dependence. You yeah. will actually know what it means to be human, guys. Mm-hmm. You will awaken to the very reality that has always been in existence, that has always been in you, okay? That has always been for you. But it only comes by letting go of this myth. Hence, what is he constantly saying? Repent and believe, right? Two sides of the same coin. It's not repent, it's like go get it together and then you can believe and you know, and then start to walk in these things. To repent is to believe. The word literally means metanoia, it means to change one's mind. That's what the word means. So he's saying the same thing to these Greeks. Change your mind, ultimately. Change your mind because you've bought a myth and you live alone in that delusion. But if you'll die to it by faith in me, you'll awaken to the reality of your dependence, Mm -hmm. of what life really is. You'll bear the fruit of that freedom. I'm like, dang, dude. It's so easy to skip over that. You know what I mean? You could write a whole book, I feel like, on verse 24, in my opinion. I don't want to belabor it, you know, for our podcast, because there's, you know, there's another key point that's here in the text that I'd love to get to, but I want to hear your thoughts, man, first. We've talked about it a ton, you know, like I think, <laughs> um, you know, the whole idea of of death, um, death as a synonym for for trust, death as a... Mm. I don't a functional mechanism for how we are constantly like embracing the truth about ourselves, you know, and the, um, um, that, that nugget, that narrow window that allows us to see who he yeah. really is as just very needy people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and a simple embrace of a one who loves us with a love that will never let us go. And I think one of the reasons why Greeks and philosophical types scoff at it is it's not impressive. Yeah. Like, a, like an oratory kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like the presentation of it, like you just have this little parable about a seed going into the ground and dying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not impressive. It's not nuanced. It's not, um, it's not lengthy, you know, Mm-mm. it doesn't, it doesn't take 2000 pages um, and hours of lecture to get there. Yeah, no. When when you come down to like a First Corinthians thirteen, where Paul's you know states to people, for these things abide, as in with you or without you, whether you agree with it or not, with your cooperation, without it, it's irrelevant. This is the life God's given you. It's a life of faith, hope, and love. Faith, as we see in the scriptures, would be. Um, a reclining in the reality of someone you cannot see. But if you don't have this faith, well, then you are left with a life of sight versus faith, a life of being moved and right by only what you can see. And so you need 2000 words minimum just to get started. And then you'll eventually get bored with that because you can see it and you'll need something else that you can see. And then something else that you can learn and see. And you wind up with this life pursuing knowledge versus a life of knowing him who is who is life you have a life of sight not faith you miss life altogether ultimately is what i'm saying 
Yeah. There is in a lot of ways, Jesus up until this point, he's inviting the Greeks into everything. He's been inviting these Pharisees into uh, an invitation to die. They think they're at all the things on their list, right? Mm-hmm. Their heritage, their lineage, their records of righteousness, their lists, all these things. It literally is the thing that here, here's the proof that I'm alive. Here's the proof that I'm, right. I'm good. Here is all the evidence that I'm like in. And he he's like, dude, it's a big pile of shit. <laughs> it's a big pile of scuba. I'm inviting yep. you to come and see that God doesn't care about any of that. His love isn't hinged upon your performance. It's he, he loves us because it's who he is. And he literally, he literally sent me, I came as God in the flesh to come look you dead in the eye, to invite you into this death. So you can finally stop taking yourself so freaking damn seriously and to know (laughs) that everybody's welcome. Okay. And the death of that to like actually change your mind to the degree that everything you thought you had built your life on up until this point counts for nothing to lose all of that but find yourself anew to find yourself secure to find yourself yep. true the true you know the true meaning of like who you really are who you're made to be and who you're held by um that is a freak that's a i it's like i can't even judge because i remember going through those moments i remember pivotal moments in my life like embracing that it's a hard freaking pill to swallow and it's why he calls it a narrow gate yeah yeah you'll be hmm well it it ties into what you mentioned earlier man about the treasure in the field that jesus referred to as the kingdom the only reason why someone who discovered it was willing to go sell every single thing they own so they could buy this field was because they found that that treasure that king was of greater value than everything they were holding on to. And so I think that's the journey in front of us, this journey of death and belief, right? This journey of faith, you could say, repentance. It's, um, it's, you're never going to let go of everything that you think matters, everything that defines who you are until you found a greater security in the one who's already defined who you are. And, I think that's what Jesus has been doing is helping people see this and see what he's really like. So they can begin to go, wait a minute, letting go of everything over here that I think is worth so much has always been too difficult to even bear um, until now. Right. Until you start to see what he's really like. Yeah. And how desperate you really are. And how fitting that it's called a death because it really is. Yeah, it is a death, man. It's it it's a death. And I think it's a it's a hard death. It's a, it's a hard death when what you're letting go of seems to be of equal value with what you would begin to grab hold of. But I think the death becomes a beautiful death. A welcome death. Okay? When you start to take him at his word, 
and you see the immense value of this treasure. Yep. That's when you go, oh, okay. Yeah, I can go yeah. ahead and let go of this now. He says it a different way, you know, in other places. This is not the only time he talks about it, but it's like, if you want to gain your life, lose it. Yeah. And it is hard. And you're, you're the old man will go kicking and screaming <laughs> at every, at every wind and turn down yeah. the, you know, the slide, you know, the, the winding playground slide all the way down to the bottom of your death. He'll, he'll, your old man will try to put his feet up against the side of the slide. He'll yep. try to stop your momentum, climb back up and, um, and fight every, every inch of, of the way. But really what you find is actually your life down there. And it is, it's a, it's a beautifully difficult thing. Yeah. Which I think possible. Is I think that's why he might have said when things are impossible with man is possible with God, right? Yeah. Camel through the eye of a needle. Yeah. I mean, everybody who comes to him with what must I do? Okay. What must I do? I mean, how many times have we been told by leaders like, well, what you must do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus said. I mean, I just heard an extremely popular Christian leader just four days ago talk about this and tell everyone Jesus wants you to love him with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. This is what he demands of you. And to which case I'm like, I felt like everybody who went to him with what must I do went with an understanding and a belief that that's what was needed and also a list of how they were doing it. And in every single case, Jesus responded with stories to help them see, no, you've never done this. So what you must do is not something you can do. It is impossible with man, but it is possible with God for me to die in your place and bring you to life in my life. That's why it's freaking called good news, man. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there hearing this and going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Let's no, like let's la let's land let's land this plane. We're running <laughs> out of time. <laughs> well, let's uh, and you can you know maybe edit to this yeah, point. I'll make but, I'll uh, make a nice transition there. Yeah. I'll so say this. coming out of this, coming out of this, Jesus. I can, just, I'll, all right, go, go ahead. I can just say, dude, it's so true. I mean, just in these last moments, like you know just in these closing moments um, on this podcast, um, you got a little, you got a little something there you dug up that is very fitting for this conversation. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fitting for all of us fitting for me, man. And just being reminded of this. And so I'll just go ahead and end here, dude. Uh, we're not going to get to everything in chapter 12, but hear this. Cause I just feel like this ties in coming out of that little expose. Jesus says, listen, you know, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Question mark. And it's just almost like this. No, for this purpose, he says in verse 27, I have come to this hour. So Father, glorify your name. All right. And so he's just making it known like, man, I've come to this place to die. Okay. And there's a little like discrepancy that goes on. Like, man, what's happening here? Is this an angel speaking? And and Jesus answers and says, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. All right. That's at the end of verse 30, verse 31. 
Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, he says, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Verse 34, it says, So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And so Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. In other words, I've been with you. You already know who he is. Yeah. Okay. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. AKA, delusion is real. You bought the myth. You've been living in it your entire existence. Yeah. Awaken to what is right in front of you and walk in this, or the darkness will blind it out. And he says this, for the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So I'll just say this, man, the point of all this, I feel like he says is in verse 32, I'm being lifted up and I'm going to draw all people to myself which totally ties into what you were talking about with the whole parable that Jesus told in Luke. I think it's like eight about the narrow gate, you know, all that is all like, it all comes to like a clear, like fruition in this. I feel like in this chapter and I love what, you know, Capon says, man, just about like his way of death for our death. He said that in, in reference to this and to reference like Jesus talking about himself being the narrow gate, he said, it's forbidding narrowness lies not in the fact that it is small, he says, and hard to find. Instead, it lies in the fact that it is so repulsive that it's hard to accept. Hmm. Salvation is hard, he says, but salvation is also easy. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing about it is that it's easy. <laughs> it uses such cheap, low-down methods that only the last, the lost, the least, the little in society, you know, the people who've admitted their death, the ones that have come to the end of their virtuous ropes, yeah, only they will ever be able to grab onto it. Jesus was not kidding when he said, I will be lifted up and I will draw all to myself. And he did. What's in front of us is not needing to bring something to the table to prove that we qualify and therefore can be a part of the one who was lifted up. It's actually the opposite. Yeah, It's letting go of the myth that we needed to. And it's only those, right? Admitting that death, becoming that seed that falls into the ground and dies in Jesus' words in verse 24. Right. That will awaken to life. Yeah, the difficulty is not that it's like some sort of like triathlon, you know? Uh, Spartan mm -hmm. race that only a few have, yeah. you know, the stamina, the physical ability, the spiritual ability um, to complete the course. It's that all of us are from go are so damn independent. And the invitation is to die to the life you think you have and mm -hmm. freely embrace the one I've come to give you in myself. And that phenomena is literally impossible. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I've got a number of Christian leader friends, man, that were all high-fiving a recent quote from Mac, uh, Mark Batterson, Christian leader out of D.C., who said the problem with our gospel today is that it's too cheap, it's too easy, 
we're letting people buy it without selling it. And they're mm. like, yeah, people have got to get serious about this man and start bearing fruit and passing it on if they're going to be a disciple. Right. And I'm like, dude, you just did exactly what the Galatians were doing that Paul wrote to. Yeah. And said, I wish this is what he told him. I wish you would just go ahead and emasculate yourself because what you're doing is nullifying the gospel completely. You're undoing the very message of God himself that is now blinding people to the very heart of God himself, who's already done every damn thing needed for us to live in union with him. I could keep going, dude, but let's just say this will turn into an explicit episode. So I'll <laughs> stop there. Yeah. And for just sure. say cheers to the one who said, I'm coming, I'm dying, I'm being lifted up, and I'm going to draw all people to myself. And those who have come to the end of their imaginary virtuous rope, those who have awakened to the myth of this independent you, will gladly grab on to the freedom that's found only in me. Amen. And I'll add one thing to that. I agree with Batterson. It is too cheap. Um, <laughs> it is too cheap um, because grace is free. It's yep. not cheap at all. <laughs> so cheers. On that to word, we're with you, free. dude. We are with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to cheers, say man. when I saw that quote, I was like, hey, you were right. You were so, you were spot on. This is, it's, it's too cheap. I'm like, hey, man. Yeah. And then it's what so do you cheap. do? You go on and completely undo. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. It's cheap. It's cheap. As Steve Brown says, listen, if, if there was one thing that you and I had to bring to the table to purchase this grace, I love this. It would forever remain on the shelf out of your reach mm -hmm. for eternity. Yep. Thank God it's cheap. Thank God it's free. Till next time. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.